Alcohol gave me wings to fly, and then it took away the sky. <sighs> it's when I stopped drinking, then I had to relearn everything new. That's why I call it my new life, a new way of living and thinking. I'm blessed to have two lives in one lifetime. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour, featuring the collective voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Hey, Don. Hey, everybody. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. Hiya, Sam. What's happening, Don? I hope you're doing well. Hey, I got a question for you. Yeah? What is something you heard early on in AA that is pivotal in your recovery ever since? Something that you share with others in meetings? Ooh. Mm. One of those things that really knocked me for a loop. I was at a men's meeting on Saturday morning. And there was a new guy who had gotten out of treatment and had gone back living with his wife. This was in the wintertime. It was a cold December morning. This guy shared, I've had it with my wife. I just don't think I can live with her anymore. I just can't take it because of this and this and this that she does. And she doesn't understand me. And he finished his rant. Walter was the first one to speak. And he said, you know, you can take that self-righteous anger, that justifiable rage, that superiority, take that and wrap it up in a nice tight ball and clutch it right here close to your chest, because that's what you're going to be sleeping with this winter. <laughs> 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 that's a that's a doozy oh man it was just so vivid and i come back to it all the time in terms of every time that i get angry or whatever it's like what's my part in this what do i need to look at because i'm only hurting myself with these feelings of uh, playing the martyr the victim it hurts me. I'm the one who has to suffer. I'm the one who has to face the consequences of it. That's true. I didn't hear Walt say that, but I can hear that with Walt's voice. Oh my <laughs> gosh, that man had such a booming voice. Yeah. Well, you know, there's something that I heard early on in a meeting that has stuck with me, and I have shared this with a lot of people over the years. And this was at about three months into my recovery, I went to a speaker meeting. The guy who was speaking was named Don. Yes, it was you, Don. Oh, it was me. <laughs> I thought you were telling another Don. What you talked about, it, it just completely shattered an obstacle that I had for recovery, uh, especially that early on. And it was the word God. You talked about how, you know, when you came in, you got this conception of God or higher power or whatever, but you refused to use the word God. And that it would take you 10 minutes to explain what it was rather than to say the word God. And then one day you just found out it was easier to say God because it didn't matter what other people thought you meant. You knew what you meant. That just knocked that out of the park for me because I really had a problem with that word when I came into these rooms. Yeah. So for me to be able to uh, use the word God as shorthand, knowing that when I say that word, I know what I mean. 
And it doesn't matter that you know what I mean. Yeah. You make it mean whatever you want to make it mean. And that works beautifully for me. And I heard that from you standing <laughs> at the podium. So thank you. Wow. That's really, that's really incredible sound. Yeah. I unattach the word God from the preconceptions that I had of what it meant. And I reattached it to the real thing that happened to me getting sober in AA, the experiences that I had. And it was like trying to describe that was hard, but there was something going on that was bigger than me. And it was just easier to say God <laughs> instead of the interconnected web of existence to which we <laughs> are all but a small part, interlaced, affecting each other, and you know, on and on. It's 10 like minutes that. later. <laughs> <laughs> Those stories that you hear sometimes can have the strongest effect. I heard somebody from the podium say that he went to Los Angeles. He had always gone drunk to this uh, lawyer's convention in Los Angeles. It was his first year and he didn't think he could do it. And the sponsor said, you can do it. If you call me, you pray, you do all the things that AA asks you to do. You'll be able to do this thing that was part of his profession. He he had always gone there, gotten drunk, gotten involved with a bunch of prostitutes and all kinds of trouble. He came back. He said he walked off of the airplane and a sponsor was there. And he said, I made it sober. I managed not to drink the whole time. I did it. And his sponsor said, you had nothing to do with it. It was God. <laughs> and I took that from that speaker meeting and have used it ever since to realize I need to surrender. I'm not the one who's keeping me sober. I mean, it's the, it's the fundamental of the first step. I'm powerless. And to be able to really take that in, hearing that guy tell that story really helped me. I love that. That's fantastic. You know, there's all kinds of tools that are made available to us in the rooms. And, you know, a lot of them are the shared tools that we all get, you know, our steps and our traditions and the, the literature, but some of them are the stories and the interactions yeah. that we have with people, the things that we learn from other people who are on this journey. Which is what the grapevine is. It is. All the stories that people share, we can learn from them as I do and as we're going to today. Absolutely. You know, in the January issue of the Grapevine, members share about the tools that helped them when they were new. And today we're talking to Peggy about her story in this month's Grapevine magazine. Her article is right in the middle on page 18 of the January 2022 issue. My name is Peggy and I am an alcoholic. I am my sobriety date is me. 9th, 2009. My home group is Recovery Hall in Belleville, New Jersey. Peggy, did you easily come to AA? Or? Oh, no. What I say before I start to do anything about my recovery is thank my Heavenly Father for catching me when I was really tumbling, free-falling down that deep, dark, alcoholic pit. Yeah. And he caught me and brought me to AA. I know about AA, believe it or not, drunk as a skunk. A night after I nearly burned my house down, I mm. happened to see it. I don't know if the TV was looking at me or I was looking at the TV, but 
I saw an advertisement on TV about the frying pan, the egg. Yes. That's how I know about EE. What's that? I, don't, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it, it, there was an advertisement way back when, about 20 or 30 years ago. I'm from Trinidad in the West Indies. A night I was drunk, I happened to see this advertisement on the television mm-hmm. about um, an egg, a frying pan in a brain, and saying, this is your brain, and the egg was frying in the frying pan. And I, somehow that clicked with me. It was an AA advertisement. I have no idea why to this day, many years later, why I look at that time we used to have um, yellow pages. Do you remember those days? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yellow, yellow, yellow pages. I remember next day looking in the yellow pages, saw AA and saw a nice um, place. Wait a minute. A, you, your house burned down? It nearly burned down. I fell asleep while drunk. And you had seen this advertisement? The next night after the fire, oh. full of remorse and shame. Yes. And disgust. Uh, uh, unmanageability. <laughs> oh, to his highest. To his highest. I, um, I saw that advertisement and that helped me. That advertisement is what planted the seed. I knew nothing, absolutely nothing about E. Not because... I wasn't around it or had the opportunity to know about it because I had a very narrow mind, very closed mind. Mm-hmm. Whatever I believe, that's what I believe. That was my old life. Yes. I call my sobriety, my new life, my new way of living and thinking. That's beautiful. I, I love that you mentioned that when you walked into uh, an AA meeting and saw the 12 steps. Oh, yeah. Talk about that for a moment, please. Oh, well, the first time I went to rehab, I made that decision that I could control the drinking. In the year, I heard that when you try to control the drinking, you already lost control. Yeah. My second time in the rehab, that's where I was very on the early stage of a wet brain. And that's mm. where I started to hear things piece by piece on piece. And the second week I was in rehab, I saw this steps for the first time i believe and still do believe the steps are directions yeah deep in my heart i remembered just focusing on that first step i was saying it over and over during my second week in rehab another thing i heard in rehab is i had to be honest with myself i had to have an open mind and i had to be willing to be willing, to be willing. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, yes. That makes it easier to be willing. When you don't really need to be willing, you just need to be willing to be willing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Today, 12 years later, I still have to put that willing into willing, into the willingness. (laughs) Yes. Sometimes. It's oh, true. Yeah. My willingness waxes and wanes. And so, uh, yeah. you know, I was having coffee with a, a newcomer yesterday. One of the things that we chatted about was rarely is there a day that I pick up every tool. And some days I pick up a lot of them and use them. And some days I can only pick up one or two. But one of the things that has worked for me is that I wind up picking up something every day. And that gets me through the day. That's what I had to do. So you got into treatment 
you burned your house down or you caught your house on fire. <laughs> I want it to burn You're just down a, a little into hyperbole there, aren't you, Don? <laughs> I nearly burned the house down. Okay, you nearly burned the house down. And uh, you went to the treatment center. It wasn't your first time. And you surrendered. No, the second time is when I got the willingness. The first time I made a decision to control my drinking. Oh, you, know, you learned that you had a control problem. Oh, yeah. <laughs> or a lack of control problem. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a good thing to focus on because it is continually failing at trying to control my drinking that made me successful in AA. Yes. Isn't that true? That's so, so true. I had, I came up with the bright idea that to stop drinking rum straight out of the bottle, start drinking wine in nice fancy glasses. Oh, that's, <laughs> I love that experiment. Wine. I did that experiment. It's expensive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's ex- did you drink it with your pinky sticking out? Oh, I tried it. <laughs> drink it with your pinky sticking out, drink it, sipping it. But I always gulp it. (laughs) I can't remember when I changed from drinking in the expensive glass back to straight out of the bottle. Mm. When I did the second time, my granddaughter caught me after a nice dinner party we had at home. And what she said to me today, I would never forget. Grandma, why you have to hide in your bedroom to drink alcohol? I've never felt so shame in my life never it's still I still do feel shame although I've been through the steps but I'm glad I'm still feeling shame yeah there's some things that I did that I I should be ashamed of yeah but the beauty of the steps and AA is that I can turn that into helping other people exactly that's what I try to do well and just like sharing it here There's a line in the big book on page 417. It's nine words. It said, absolutely nothing in God's word happened by mistake. And today I truly believe that. Mm -hmm. Hey, you've done a little bit of travel, haven't you? Oh, yeah. I love traveling. What's been your experience with AA when you travel? um, One of the things I heard in rehab my second time is that I had to follow good old lady directions. And one of the instructions I heard is whenever I go somewhere new to call GSO. And that's what I've been doing anywhere I do travel, even at my homeland. You moved from Trinidad to... Yes, I relocated from Trinidad 41 years ago. Yeah, 41 years ago and came to the United States to live. That's an enormous culture change. Oh, definitely. The money was different. The food was different. Even my husband was different. Everything was different. Everything was different. But you were sober? It's only 12 years ago I know about the program. I came from Trinidad. Trinidad in the West Indies, where I was born, is the land of steel band, music, and calypso. We party for good times, bad times, happy times, anytime. I use alcohol for everything. I even use it as medicine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, when I came here, that's what I did. I used alcohol for everything. So it, was my, it was my comfort. Yes. Yeah. Well, alcohol is a comfort. 
until it quits being so. I mean, it certainly worked for me for many years as a solution to my problems. That's why I continued to drink so long. Until it stopped working. Until it stopped working. But unfortunately, that I'm wired as such to think that if I don't keep this treatment, if I don't continue to to take care of my sobriety, my brain is going to go back to that alcohol is a solution. So I need to do the things that I do. And especially when I travel, you mentioned Mm -hmm. that when you went back to your homeland for the first time in sobriety, what was that like? The first time I went back was for a funeral. On the same day I landed there, the country had a state of emergency. And I was like a prisoner, just a funeral and no meetings. Hmm. It was a bad experience. The second time I went back to Trinidad was for my nieces. I have one niece wedding. And it also was the 50th anniversary of our country's independence. It was a double celebration. I'm so grateful I heard that um, I had to follow good early direction. And this old timer, oh dear, I believe in my, I I don't call them old timers. I call them long timers. Long timers. I like that. He said to me, when I get there to call GSO, which I did, I call this nice young lady, her name is Sati, she called me and she took me around to meetings. And that saved my life because I know I would have surely drink again. My emotion was so high. Um, that happiness. And to make it worse, none of my family is in the program. Right. So uh, you uh, found that support of our fellowship there. Yeah. And- yeah. You know, I've, I've gotten to do some travel in, in my uh, sobriety, and it is amazing how we show up for each other wherever we are. It is. Um, my next experience traveling that is memorable to me is in 2018, my only granddaughter, the same granddaughter who caught me in my bedroom drinking. But, okay. But she decided to get married in Aruba. And this traveling experience, as I got there, there was party all around. And as I mentioned, none of my family is in recovery. They don't have my disease. I am the only one with my disease. I heard that they, I'm a picker. I'm no longer a cucumber. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. what I heard the second time. And also... Once you fry an egg, you no longer go back to being a raw egg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you use the metaphor from TV commercial. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're fried. I am I fried. to say it, Peggy. You're fried. I am. A picker that is fried. Yeah, fried oh, now, pickles. Now, fried pickles are really good. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with being a fried pickle. They're awesome. Okay, we're a couple of fried pickles, Sam. Oh, yeah. Oh, I have a new one. Yeah, and as I got there, it was alcohol and partying and merriment all around me. Um, I reached there about four o'clock the evening. And and mind you, I went with tools. I went with GSO number. I went with a name to call. I went with all my readings, the books. Mm-hmm. I went with um online meetings since I have that as a tool. And I went with my grapevine online mm-hmm. books. That was Great. a tool that I travel with anywhere I'm going. The night was fine. Next morning, I got. I had planned to get up to go today, have a 7.30 morning meeting. 
but of course I got a plate and I missed it. And I did my morning hygiene that I do every day by breathing, praying, and everything was fine. And all of a sudden, I just got squirrely. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way I could describe it, it's like an animal all alone by itself out in the open with no protection around them. I, and, and I felt as though I was wild. Mm-hmm. But I remember I tried calling the GSO number that I had, but of course I'm panicky. I'm not myself. I'm wild, as I would put it. What I did is went downstairs to the courtesy desk and asked receptionist if is there any friends of Bell in the building. She had no clue what I was talking about. <laughs> right. So then I had to say, is there any, any meetings around? said no she don't know so I gave her the number that I had his name was Yuri and she called that number and I spoke with him he said to me he knows someone who is taking three women through the big book a sponsor who is doing this if I like to go I said yes asked where it is he gave me the number on the phone no I called a cab and he just dropped me off at the place the place was locked I was there uh, about an hour and a half. Strange place. First time I'm going there. Mm-hmm. So what I did is sat on the step and just waited. When I'm sitting there now, I'm thinking all these things, you know, you're here by yourself. Nobody know where you are. Yeah. But I say I'm on an A step. Yeah. I know that there would be AA meetings here. Mm-hmm. People around here must know about AA. So I'm not moving from here. And I just waited for someone to come. Finally, a girl came. I tell her who I am. She opened the door, offered me a cup of coffee, and I felt safe. Instantly. Yeah, I know that feeling, Peggy. I really felt safe. Well, did they hold a meeting? No, there was no meeting. What we did, she was there to meet three other sponsors to go through the big book. And you got to be a little guest sponsee at that time. That's exactly what happened. And what we did, told a little bit of ourselves. I told my story. I told them why I'm here. And today, one of the girls is in my network. Oh, I love that. Great. Did that feeling lift? I have to tell you, it helped me through the next six days. Isn't that amazing? One of the things that I learned in my travels was to get to a meeting as early as I could in the trip, because I might not be able to get to another one later, but it always sustained me. That helped me immensely. immensely. I love that. Oh, Peggy, (laughs) that's a wonderful story. Yes. (laughs) It's been really great getting to know you a little bit, Peggy. And I hope that I get to sit in a meeting with you in real life sometime. (laughs) Oh, yes. Anything is possible. It is indeed. (laughs) Thanks, Peggy. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure.
Hey, folks. I'm glad you finally made it to the clubhouse through all of that snow. You know, we were just talking. What behavior did you change to finally get sober? Kind of like what I did walking over here. Every time I took a step forward, I'd slip two steps back. Well, how'd you manage to get here at all? I turned around and went the other way. <laughs> it's really not that funny. Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.